you know, we have all kinds of weird things. Like you'll get in the elevator and someone will be playing the piano or bongos or just, you know, there's nowhere else in the world you can like do that for five nights to people. Welcome to Elevated Frequencies, the show that gives you access to the next level of house and techno so you can explore an elevated lifestyle. One of the content pillars of this show when I was creating the concept was to highlight elevated events. And that is because if you've been in this scene for a while, you are probably looking for something more, something different, something memorable. My guest today, DJ and producer Destructo, has been throwing events since the 90s, and he makes it his goal that his audience experiences something new every single time. And while that may seem difficult, it's actually not. Take a listen to our conversation and find out why. So I know we want to talk about friendship, which I'm super interested to learn how, you know, the concept for that came about, but I want to set the stage for people who might not know your very rich history in producing and throwing some really creative and cool events dating back to like the nineties, right? Yeah. Yeah. It goes, it goes back a ways. (laughs) So you've been doing this for a really long time. Can you kind of like set the stage and talk about those early days when you were throwing events in like LA, I believe, right? Mm-hmm. Well, um, when I was like a uh, late teenager, you know, like 20 years old, um, a friend of mine took me to uh, a dirty warehouse party in downtown LA. Um, people broke into the, you know, broke into the warehouse. There was, you know, God knows what was going on in these warehouses, but um, people would just set up a sound system and just start, start partying and going all night. And I just, I was hooked. Like I always loved um electronics in music in hip-hop things like Depeche Mode Nine Inch Nails um but I didn't really ever hear just like computers with nothing just you know making beats and making people dance and I just I just fell in love with it it was just it like it took over my whole life and so um I just started um trying to figure out how to be more involved or get more you know just 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 be more involved in the scene. And so what we did was me and my two buddies, we came up with this idea to do a party called the sermon. And the sermon started Sunday morning at 6 a.m. And so we would go out all night, Saturday night, we would dress up like priests and we would tell people to come to the Sunday sermon. And uh, at first nobody came, you know, it was empty. And then we, we turned the fog machines on. So it would look like there was a, uh, you know, you know, you couldn't tell there was no one there and then we needed a DJ, but we couldn't afford one. So I was like, I'll just, I'll do it. And I, you know, I love, I love music. I started DJing and then playing really hardcore, like aggro. I call, we call it techno, just electronic music at the time. Um, but we called it techno cause it's made with technology. Yeah. And then, and then, um, uh, people started showing up six in the morning and we started getting a line around the block. It was a lot of English a lot of English dudes like drinking Guinness, you know, still up from the night before. And then the sermon led to uh, midnight mass where we decided to do a midnight party in our own warehouse. 
and then the midnight mass led into uh, uh, the holy water adventure, which was at a water slide park. Wow. Okay. So you've been like putting together creative events that all kind of have its its own flair and like branding to it for a while. I'm very curious because I think a lot of people who like my, my listeners are artists themselves or creatives. They'll find value in this. How long did it take for people to catch on with the sermon? Like how many, how many empty parties did you have to throw before people started showing up? It was probably maybe a month, six weeks. Oh, that's, that's pretty fast. Maybe two weeks, but every, every Sunday morning at 6 a.m., with my two buddies and a couple friends, like waiting for people to show up and then nobody, nobody comes. Um, but you know, I'm kind of one of those guys. A lot of people, um, ask me, you know, they, they come up to me now and they always ask me, um, you know, they want to be a DJ. They want to be a promoter. Like, how do you, how do you do it? You know, I want to do what you did. And I just, I just, a, my goal was never really to, like, I never thought about, how much money am I going to make or how can I be successful? It just was something we were doing and I never give up. So like I would have probably, if the sermon was still empty today, I'd probably still be doing it because it was just fun and I we could make a bunch of noise. And, you know, so it was like we had a different idea and we, 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 I never, I never give up. So I, I think people would have been discouraged. You know, I mean, we, my buddy uh, worked at the uh, Culver, Culver film studio and he would go like Friday night in his convertible, he cut the top off his car and he would grab props from this thing and like sneak them out the back. And we'd have like a big tea cup for someone to dance in. And we had like Julius Caesar and we were just, we were just in and like just doing something weird and, and um, you know, and just stuck with it. But also now, I mean, at that time too, though, there was no like after hours, there was no, right. It was very few electronic DJs. There, it was just a different time because now it's like everybody's trying to do, do this and do, do the same thing, you know? And so now I don't even know what I would do if I was 19 and trying to start out, you know, it, it's, it's a, it's, it's a lot harder now because we were, nobody was doing it. Sure. I mean, I agree, but also what I think is really interesting and what drew me to want to talk to you is, you know, what I talk about on the show a lot is having an elevated experience. And what does that mean? You know, to some people who are music purists, like they don't care about all those extra elements, but the thing that you just told me about stealing movie props and just throwing them in there for fun, like that's something that makes an experience memorable. And so I think that, you know, if you were to start today and you were kind of doing the same thing, I think, I think it would resonate. And so like the sophistication level of your events has definitely gone up over the years. You've gone from throwing, you know, little dirty warehouse parties to these massive, massive events. Did you know that that was going to be like your life's path when you started? Mm, probably not. I mean, it, it's kind of a funny story. I mean, my, my family's in the music business. So, you know, making records, managing artists, that part, I kind of thought being a promoter and producing events kind of came second to me. So I didn't, I didn't really know, but I, what, what kind of did it for me was that at the time when I was doing the sermon and midnight mass, I was also delivering pizza. And or I, I delivered like Chinese food, you know, and the guys that I was working with, they had graduated from UCLA and USC. And then I'm doing a, a club at six in the morning and, you know, I'm doing a lot better than delivering food or what these guys were doing that went to college. And so I just thought, well, this seems, you know, 
this this seems like it could it could be a career and it it um it was fun you know my dad always told me like if your job if you love your job if your job is fun then it's not a you know that's that's like mm-hmm. your goal in life is to love your work and my dad was on the radio so yeah um you know he's loved being on the radio you know you meet my dad yeah. today but that's you know he goes sex drugs rock and roll like he's just right. uh, you know he just loves being in the music business it's you know so um eventually yeah eventually i just kind of knew i was going to be in electronic music because like i said my family's in the music business but they always thought the music i was in was really a waste of time because there's no lyrics there's no instruments at that time there was no songs everyone's on drugs mm-hmm. and it's illegal like they were like what do you like you're ruining your life <laughs> <laughs> it's and, funny cuz that's like what their parents said about rock and roll yeah, totally. Well, That's what well, I tell my dad. Yeah, I think it's interesting though that you kind of listened to your intuition, intuition and caught the wave because a lot of people go the safe route, especially artists that I've interviewed are like, oh, I was going to law school and then, you know, I was just being drawn to this. And so I decided to go for it. And I think a lot of people are afraid to kind of buck norms and just pay attention to what's working. But when you're making more money than your friends who, you know, have this degree in whatever, it's like, yeah, and you're enjoying it. More importantly, it's like, go for it. And I think more people need to to pay attention to those signs. Yeah, totally. That's awesome. And so, and so you've gone on to produce, you know, major festivals. And I and I want to get into friendship cruise because I think like I was looking at the lineup the other day and I saw you have like Dita Von Teese and just some really other cool activations that's going to make this more than just music and boat. Yeah. Well, I, I learned that on the cruise you have people. Now we have them for five nights. Started with three nights, then four, now five. Five, five is a lot. Yeah. So you have them for five nights and you know, I'm, I'm a guy that likes, like if I throw a party at my house, like you come over the lighting, you know, candles, what you see, what you hear. Like I like to set the whole, the whole vibe, not just, okay, this is the music. Um, and on the ship, you can really do that. So like when you're walking, when you're eating, the, the, the sound you're hearing is I programmed it. You know, when you go into the, um, you turn on your TV in your room and there might be, you know, the Wizard of Oz set to Pink Floyd, Dark Side of the Moon on like one of the chant, you know, like I can control everything that, that goes on. And it's such an amazing uh, a venue. Um, you mentioned Dita. You know, we have a um, we have a theater, so I thought you know let's use the theater as a real theater instead of just another place to DJ. So in the theater, like we'll have Bob Moses play live. We have comedians, um, and Dita, she used to go to my events when I was eighteen, so I've known her the whole time. So she's been on like every ship, and she's a huge fan of the music, and we're good buddies, and and it's just cool because she she just loves to come and bring her whole like ensemble and then when you go out at night to the different parties you see all of them and they're all dressed up and they're you know because she's fabulous and like they're just they make the parties so much better but um we've been we've been friends for a long time so just yeah like having a burlesque show having comedy having you know we have all kinds of weird things like you'll get in the elevator and someone will be playing the piano or bongos or just you know, there's nowhere else in the world you can like do that for five nights to people. Like we had on the last ship, we had, uh, I had, I had this room. It was called one more time. It was like, I just took one of the cabins and I put these 
like inflatable looking uh, or uh, posters of Daft Punk with like lasers, and the room just played one more time for four nights. <laughs> That's so funny. It was the Where one do you, more time. How how do you keep coming up with ideas? I mean, you have a really creative brain. Well, I've I've seen a lot of things. So you know, I I was in Amsterdam once, and the store that sold the mushrooms played one more time every time you went into it. Oh my God. That's so they so just funny. played one more time the whole time in the mushroom store where you bought mushrooms. So I was like, okay, but you know, I just, I just pick up little things here and there from yeah. my experiences and always plug them in. Like, okay, if I could, if I could emulate that sometime down the road and you know, I've, I've been doing this for like 30 years. So there's yeah, a, you're pulling there's inspiration a- from, from the different places that you've been. Yeah. I used to say like, like with DJing, you know, when I used to DJ vinyl, like my record bag became from all the years of DJing, it became like I had the, re- the like every time you DJ, there's always like one record that, you know, is like, oh, that was the record of the night. But then my DJ bag became like all the records of the night was my whole DJ bag. But now I have like so many years of that, you know, and I have that from different events that I've been to or seen as well. So I got a I got a pretty good library to pull from over the years. Yeah, yeah, I can imagine. And uh, when it comes, so you were doing this before social media was a thing, right? And being able to get feedback, either positive or negative, on your events in real time. Is there anything, maybe maybe it hasn't, but being able to connect with people who like your music and people who like your events um, just quicker than having to see them out in you know, in real life, in person, seeing them on social media, has that influenced or changed the way that you do things that you produce? Mm. Yeah, maybe, maybe a tiny bit. I mean, I, I listen to what everyone says and I see what they say, but I always try to lead. I don't try, you know, if there's criticisms, like on the last ship we had, you know, we had a lot of feedback that people didn't love the ship that we had because I, I, after COVID, I kind of went in a smaller ship and I went right. like, it was just, I, I, dur- during COVID, I didn't know if I was ever, you know, everybody, everyone in the business, everyone that I know was like, do not do a ship. Like don't get on a ship because of COVID. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. I was like, but all my people want to go on a ship. You don't understand. So I, I did it and it wasn't like, you know, it was it was, uh, on a one out of 10, it was probably like an 8.5, but my people are used to like a 20. You know, because right. so I and I wasn't ready because of COVID, but now I've over over delivered because I heard them right. They all. It's funny because what happened was is I was on the exact same ship, and they all bitched and complained, but it sold out. So then I went and got them the better ship that they want because I listened to what they said. So yeah, I listen to what they say, but I don't. I, I try to. I, I always feel like my job as a as a as in dance music is to be the leader not the mm-hmm. follower and give them something they haven't seen and direct them into the next, next wave. You know, um, I learned a lot from Rick Rubin. You know, I worked with Rick Rubin. I always, it comes back in my mind. He did an interview with Anderson Cooper and Anderson Cooper was asking him like what his skill is. And he was, Anderson Cooper's just blown away. Cause Rick's Rick, you know, he just does his own thing, but he asked Rick, like, how do you figure out what the audience wants to hear? And Rick's like, the audience comes last. They only know what they heard the last time. They don't know what we're cooking up now. 
And I think I've learned that from him that like, you know, I try to, I, I want them to be happy and my goal is to make them all happy. But also my goal is to lead them into happiness that they don't even know exists yet. So, yeah. um, so if I just listen to what they say, then I'm just regurgitating like what they, they don't know, you know, they don't know the next, the next wave. So that's always been right. my job to try to figure that out for them and not I, really I, let them cloud that. Mm-hmm. I think that's really even what I would do, you know, when, with my old festivals, the, the big ones, you know, where I was getting like, you know, 80,000, 100,000 people, my partners at Live Nation, they would always tell me to do a survey, survey the audience. What does the audience want to see? And it's like, I know what the, they, they say, Dead Mouse, they say Skrillex, they say Judd, like they, they, it's always the same. It's whoever I had last time. So, you know, I got to, with dance music, especially you want to lead, you don't want to follow, but most people just follow because it's safe and that's what sells the tickets. So that's what I was going to say, the safety aspect. Some of the DJs that I talk to and producers that are just starting out their career, maybe they've been in it for a couple of years, are re- they almost live and die by the feedback that they're getting on social media because social media, unfortunately, is an integral part of their growth. And I think that they're afraid to ruffle any feathers, whether it be with the music they want to make or opinions they might have. Um, And so what what do you have to say to those folks? Well, I always say, like, do you want to be Kurt Cobain or do you want to be Puddle of Mud? You know, like, I don't want to be Puddle of Mud, right? Like, they're a derivative of a derivative of a derivative. Like, I want to be Kurt Cobain or I don't really want to be making grunge music. You know, like, you want to be – it's funny because when I started making my own tunes again for a while, like, I, you know, I work with a lot of people that help me make my tunes. And when I would go in the studios with these guys who were, like, you know, making songs with, like, Miranda Lambert and Adam Lambert or, you know, the big pop artists – they would play me stuff that sounded like dead mouse and sounded like justice and be like, what do you want to do? How, how should we do this? And it's like, there's already those artists. Like you want to be justice. You don't want to be like the shitty version of justice. So you have to create your own identity, your own sound. And you, if you play it safe, it's like, you might as well just go be a doctor or a lawyer or some shit. Like this isn't, you know, this is art and you want to, you know, you want to flip the game on its head. So you got to come up with different shit. That's just me. I don't know. That's just how I've always lived my life. But I feel like when I meet artists that like play it safe or that, you know, do research or what are my fans are like, they're not really artists, right? Like they're, they're just trying to figure out how to have a career. Like, yeah. like you want, like Jimi Hendrix didn't like look around and go, how should I play my guitar? Like he's fucking right. Jimi Hendrix. <laughs> like, right. That's the kind, to me, that's who I want to be booking at my shows and who I want to be working with. I don't want to be working with people that want to copy Jimi Hendrix. Yeah. You know, well, so yeah. that's just me. So you said that, you know, that's, that's why you're a leader in that sense that you want to show the people who come to your shows, like what new, good, fresh talent is in your opinion. Is that the norm or do you think that most events organizers do tend to play it safe yeah they just pick what's going to sell them tickets they don't give a shit Mm -hmm. (laughs) that's why you get the same old shitty shit all the time (laughs) you know it's like it's uh it's kind of sad but that's just the way the world works it's the same thing like the algorithm you know the algorithm just gives you what it knows you're going to like the the hand-picked um unique one-of-ones get tossed out of that equation a lot all the, all the biggest bands in the world, like the coolest bands, like all the record companies passed on them because they didn't fit the norm. You know, they're just looking for hits, what's going to sell, what's going to make them money. 
but you know the real creative the real shit you know is is it's it's not for every you know they're they're like i think i don't know what the statistics are but i think there's like a hundred thousand new songs that come out a week on beatport or like they're just out of a hundred thousand songs a week there can't be you know, there's only going to be a handful in there that are like changing the game. Everything else is just the same crap, but it's just, everybody just wants to do this now. Cause it's cool. You know, everybody wants to be the DJ. Everybody wants to have likes and be popular and they're forgetting why, why they're doing it or, or what the, what, what it's all about. So, you know, I, you know, I don't, I don't know all the different people in your audience, but I think you got to be original, right? You can't, you can't just try to formulate, at least for me. I mean, I know it works for some people, right? Some people, there's a very formulaic way of figuring out how to make your music or how to be an artist. But to me, those are, they might be successful and make money, but they're not, you know, in 10, 20 years from now, we're not going to be listening to their music. Right. We talk about that a lot on the show, that longevity comes from authenticity. Like you can play to the trends. You can do all the right things on social media for, you know, whatever they're saying you should do that month with the algorithm, whatever. But that's, that does not trump authenticity. Yeah. Well, the best thing too, is I think you should make it for yourself. Mm -hmm. You know, like I, like I can't sit here and think, okay, what's everyone else going to like, or what are my followers on social media going to want to hear or whatever. I mean, I guess that's probably why I don't have that many people following me on social media that, you know, I, I don't, I don't really care though. Like I, you know, I went in the studio with Yo Gotti and I made a record with him. I went in the studio with Too Short, made a record with him, Busta Rhymes. So like to me, I'm just, I just love what I've made and proud of it. And if people like it, cool. If they don't, you know, so, so be it. I, I'm, just, I'm in a different place though. You know, I'm not like a 20 year old kid trying to get, trying to get bowling in this, in this uh, scene. But I think if I was, I, what everybody else is doing, I'd be doing the complete opposite and try to stand out. Yeah, that's great advice. I think, I think that it's harder to do that because you have to sit and think. You have to really think about it. Like, wh- am, I, am I subconsciously just making stuff that I think everyone's going to like? Like, you really have to take a deep look at what you're doing to you know, to understand why you're creating it. But like you said, creating, creating for yourself at the end of the day, at least you're going to have a product that you actually fucking like. Yeah. I I look back at all the records that I've made artists I've worked with that I've made every single one of them. I love them. I pull them out. I can't, I still can't believe some of them. Like I listen to them and I'm just like, Holy shit. You know, I worked with metal bands. I worked with so many different, and I, I always like in here, I love all the projects. So and to me, that trumps like mm-hmm. social media, success, anything. But I, I, you know, when I'm, you know, 20 years from now, I'll put it on, still listen to it and just be like, wow, I can't believe I made that record. And, and it still gives me chills, you know, that, that to me is more important than all the rest because you can't, I don't think you can really formulate what people are going to like when it comes to music. You can only tell what you like. Right. It's yeah, music. It's, it's not, it's not like we're, it's not like a mathematical equation. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's, it's a great point. And I, just from meeting different artists over the past couple years, I can tell who embodies that, th- those ethos of like creating for themselves versus the ones who maybe don't. It, it's like an inauthenticity that's like subtle, but you, you can tell. Yeah. It's, 
Well, and it's weird because sometimes it does work for people, you know, like when they form, when they formulate it on like a plan. I, I mean, I've seen some of the artists that I've been friends with for 10 years that, you know, are kind of hitting a target and they're really succeeding. But I also see it take a toll on them because they're, they're not the same as they were when I first met them. Because mm-hmm. now they're like on the hunt to be, you know, John Summit. Right. <laughs> you know, and it's like, you know, I mean, I love John Summit. He's a cool dude and all, but I'm not aspiring to be him. Yeah. Or do yeah. What he's doing, he's doing what he's doing. I'm doing what I'm doing. Like, it's, it's, uh, I don't know. There's no, like, there's no one that I look at and go, man, I wanted to be that guy. So I did all these things so I could be like him. Like, I just did what I wanted to do and became me. Mm-hmm. And you have a really um, rare vantage point of being in this since the beginning. I mean, when you compare to all other genres in the United States, pop, rock, I mean, hip hop, this is in its infancy and you've kind of been there from, from day one. And so you can see how all those things that we just mentioned take a toll on people. You can see how people can be easily influenced and it changes them maybe for the worse. So I mean, I don't, I don't know. Is, is there advice? Is there advice for artists beyond, you know, because at the end of the day, if you want to make a viable career out of this, you have to play the game a little bit. Well, I guess, I mean, I always just say, I mean, I really have two, two pieces of advice. So I say, be unique and uh, be original and be relentless. And I, and I still stand by that. You know, I think if, you know, if you make electronic music or any kind of music and your music is great, eventually it will find its way through. And I think if you stick to your guns and you, you really believe that you've got something special that no one else has and you don't give up, eventually you're going to get through, you know, the cream rises to the top. I, I genuinely believe that. I think it's really hard because there's so much noise to cut through. And like you said, you do have to play the game, but you know, I don't know. I, I mean, my wife always tells me that, you know, my wife's always telling me, get on social media and do this and do that. I'm like, I, I'm just not like, that's not me. You know, like, I'm not trying to be funny. I'm not trying to crack jokes. Like I, you know, come to my events, you blow your mind, listen to my tunes. You'll love them. You know, I think I'm a cool dude and I got funny stories and shit, but I'm not really trying to win you over on like comedy routines and things like that. So to get, I don't, I don't know how you get more, followers on those places. And I'm not really interested in that. I know that that probably doesn't help me, but it's not my goal. You know, my goal is to like make friendship, like the best fucking five nights of anyone's life ever. And those 4,000 people that are there, they like love me forever, you know, and like, they'll come back and come back. And that's plenty for me. Like, I'm just, I'm happy. I can turn those people out. I don't need to think any bigger than that, you know? And I think, I've never had that in my whole life where I could just focus on like one thing. You know, no one does yeah. that anymore. Everyone's got like 9 million things. I got one event, January 6th, January 11th. I got to make sure Skrillex shows up. <laughs> I got to make sure Chris Lake gets on there. I got to make sure everybody has a great time. Yeah, everything's perfect. And, and it's, it's kind of it's refreshing to, to just do that and not have to worry about all the other crap that, that – people have to go through today to, to, to be successful in entertainment or music. I, I love that. I love the word relentless too. Like that's one of my favorite adjectives because that's what, that's what will win the race is it is consistency, you know, aggressive consistency, I guess you could, you could say. Yeah. And so with friendship, you have, you have this one goal in mind and it's, and it's coming up in January is, 
you know, are you thinking about after that? Is it make it even better or is it do something else? Because I mean, you talk about doing 9 million things. You are kind of somebody who's always done 9 million things. I feel like. Well, we're, you know, we have friendship 2025, um, which I'm, you know, booking that ship now and, and trying to figure out where we're going to go. Um, you know, this time we're going to Belize. So the, the thing for me that really sets this one apart is we have an Island, um, when you get to the island on a cruise ship, what usually happens is you pull in in the morning or you get to a port, you pull in the morning, you get off, you know, you got all day to sightsee or in our case, have a party on the beach. But then, you know, four o'clock, five o'clock, you got to leave because it gets dark. And sometimes the boats, they tender, right? So the boat parks mm-hmm. out here and, you, you know, there's no dock. This one, we got a dock and we can stay for 24 hours. So we get the sunrise and the sunset on the beach, which we never had. And the only reason we can do it is on this island, it has lights and they're allowing us to do it. So, you know, I'm trying to figure out, do I want to do that same trip the next time? Um, I'm also working on an event that's probably going to pop up uh, next year in Australia with, with somebody uh, really cool from Australia that I'm working on and um, just trying to find more events that I want to do and not be in the middle of a, a turf war between Live Nation and Insomniac and AEG and like every, you know, they're all fighting over booking John Summit. And I'm just trying to like get back to like, how can I make cool events that I'm not going to be fighting with everybody to do them? <laughs> you know, it's become such big business that it's, it's, um, they make it hard for, for independence to, to, to do cool things. So I, it's kind of, you know, COVID really reset everything for me. You know, before COVID I was the president of lifestyle, which was SFX. We had like 4,000 shows, like 20 big festivals. It was just a fucking nightmare. You know, it was, it was doing me in cause it was just yeah. so many issues and problems and, you know, the, the amount of money that's being spent on everything. And, and you can't really focus on one thing because you've got like a hundred things. So now I can kind of just pick what I want to do when it makes sense for me and what makes me like feel good. And, and, um, I'm just not under this like pressure cooker because you have a hundred employees and you have all these, these buildings and you've got to make all this money. And like, you know, when it's, when it's pushed by the money, it never, in my opinion, it never works. It's, it's unsustainable. At some point, it, it you know it, it can't just be we got to make more money we got to make more money we got to make it's like it's like it's fucking it's it's like it, it makes you crazy you know it's like no we got to we got to make cooler things we got to do more yeah. interesting things we can't just make more money by doing the same shit all the time and I think that's where we are right now in dance music and it's it's kind of sad. Well, I obviously you know this as evidence of everyone coming to friendship and the people who come to your events. But I can also add my voice to the mix and say that we, I personally appreciate when anyone at any level, even if it's like down the street in the neighborhood, you know, next door, anyone who's trying to make a unique experience out of a, of an event, because there is a monopoly, a bit of a monopoly. And you do, it's kind of like, you go to one place and you, and you kind of see the same thing. And then you go to the next place and it's the same thing. And I think especially as you age throughout the scene, my, my audience is, tends to be a little bit, you know, 30s, upper 20s to, to probably like mid 40s. 
we've seen it, we've done it. We are looking for something a little bit different. And it doesn't, that doesn't necessarily mean it needs to be like super expensive or like mind blowing, you know, whatever. It just needs to be a little different. Yeah. And, and you touched on a lot of the things that makes an event so fun. Like, like the one more time room, like that's something that somebody will remember the rest of their life. Like what a, what a fun surprise to have like on a, on this already incredible vacation. Even the people whose room was next to the one more time room and they were, they were calling the room service. They were calling the front desk, turn that shit off. They're, they, oh. they, they still talking about it. You know, it's still even, even for them, it made their trip like special in like a weird way. They were like, Jesus Christ, we got to hear this again. But it was like, you know, it's like, it's, it's just, yeah, I just do different shit. So do different shit. Yeah. yeah. It's not really yeah. that hard. And like you said, yeah, it doesn't have to be expensive either. It just has to be creative. You know, uh, my, my old partner that I used to work with, Mr. Kool-Aid, when he would do the warehouses, he, um, he had it like when you came into the party, he had a slide. You had to slide down the slide awesome. and went through the wall and then you got into the warehouse, you know? So it's just, awesome. it's just, it's just being creative. Um, you know, I've, I've, I've had some pretty cool parties at my house. Like I just, I just pride myself on like, at this point now for me, I mean, I don't really get crazy and party so much and all that, but I just like seeing everyone else having a good time. You know, that's kind of my job now. Like I was, I was born on New Year's Eve. And so I feel like it's my job to like, you know, create the party for everyone. That's and a big responsibility. Else, yeah. And let everyone else have a good time, you know? And, and that's what makes me happy now, you know, like seeing that. And I, and I, I, I always say this, like other, other than like being a dad and, husband and all that like people there's people all kinds of people throughout my life that at some point have had some kind of crazy party because of some environment that i created it could have been in my apartment for four people it could have been at a racetrack for a hundred thousand people and everywhere in between but that's kind of what i i i've given to the world over over all these years you know and I, your, I your like, legacy i feel like that that's like what's special to me, you know, it's, and, and cause it, it, it happens at the end. It really like the money, the money comes and goes or whatever, but it's those memories. Like there's so many people, I mean, uh, Tyrone from Rufus like met his wife on one of my ships. That's so you know, cool. Like on the last ship I had, I had Raven and she's now dating David Lloyd. He's like a pro skater that I brought and they sent me pictures of them, like making out the Eiffel tower. Like when we get married, we want you to marry us, you know, and like it's those things like are so much deeper than like selling tickets, you know. Like it's right. it's, it's real shit. Yeah, so. it it it's that's really meaningful, and uh, it's it's your legacy. So that's that's really cool. Well, I I really appreciate you spending some time to talk to me about this. I think it's like a good dose of medicine for people who kind of need to hear from someone who's been doing it for a while. Um, especially, you know, when they get caught up in the, in the bullshit of the. Yeah. State of Just things. stay true to your heart. And, you know, like I said, I think it sounds so simple and cliche, but just be original and be relentless. And if you're really that guy or girl, you're going to, you're going to make it through, you know, because you will like, take it for me. Like of how many people come to me and like bring me music or want to, you know, they want to, do stuff with me. Like if you're that one in a million, like I will, you know, and if you get to me, I will figure it out. You know, the problem is, is that most people that get to me, they're not really the one in a million. They're, you know, even like my close friends, 
throughout the years that made music and stuff, you know, they get mad at me because like, I don't put them on and I'm like, well, I, I know, I don't hear it. You know, like I just, me specifically doesn't hear that doesn't mean you're not great. It's just, it's not in my heart to feel it. And like, I, I can't promote it unless I feel it. If I feel it, like it don't matter who you are, like I'm going to give it everything I got. You know, and that's why like when you look on the poster, you'll see a lot of people on there that you might not have heard of before, but it's all stuff that like, I feel like should be given a chance, you know? And, and that's, that's exciting for people again, who've been in the scene a long time and want to go hear something new. Like they're, they're going to events because they want to discover new music, not hear the same person they've already seen, you know, in, in five different States the previous yeah. year. Well, that's, that's what being a DJ and dance music's all about. You know, I always thought it was just being the guy that plays the new shit. That's why like I never get booked in Vegas because I don't, you know, I'm, I'm proud of it. I got kicked off in Vegas, you know, cause they, they were like, Hey, we'll pay you, but we got to put the opener back on. And then the guy played like a Vici, you know, I was oh like, God. okay, but like, it, you know, like I always felt it's my job to play the new music. That's what a DJ is supposed to do. Play the new music. Like, like I got really lucky. Um, Chris Lake was sending me all of his songs before they came out, before he like really blew up. And then I would play them and no one ever heard them. And I would FaceTime wow. I'd FaceTime on like his couch. I'd be like, look at this dude. It's going to be huge. It's going to be huge. And then now everyone plays Chris Lake. So like, I can't play Chris Lake anymore. You know, I love Chris Lake, but like, and I love his tunes. They're fucking amazing, but like, I'm not going to play them anymore, you know, because they're, but I had them before anyone had them. And it was like, you know, that's, that's always what I'm, I'm trying to do is be the guy that turns you on to it before you, before it, it comes. Well, that's that your audience can take some of that in and try to try to, you know, use that formula. Yeah. Yeah. I hope they do. Well, this has been fantastic. Thank you so, so much. It was, it was great to meet you and chat about this. I love that bit of advice about being relentless because it's much easier said than done, especially when, you know, your social media is dry or you feel like you're not getting booked or no one's listening to your music or paying attention to what you do. Those are the times where you need to tap into that relentless energy and keep pushing forward. If you like today's episode, the best way to support the show is to subscribe on YouTube or follow wherever you listen to podcasts. I will be back next week with another interview. I'll see you then. 